Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. I do feel like God has given me a word for the house this weekend. And uh, I've entitled this, this more, uh, tonight, Troubled Hearts. Troubled Hearts. And, uh, you know, it's been weighing heavy on me, uh, the issues of depression and anxiety and, and fear and doubt. And uh, I feel like God has given me a word that I, I believe is going to encourage so many, a word that he's been also working out in me over these last couple months. And, uh, and I'm so glad that you're here tonight because I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do such a deep healing in so many of us, so many of us tonight. I'd like to start off and I would like to make something clear. Um, it is my belief that the church as a whole has done a disservice to so many people over the years. I believe that there has been a misconception that spiritual maturity uh, forsakes uh, earthly wisdom or earthly means. And I feel like people have been made to feel over the years like if you uh, are uh, taking uh, medication or you are making use of, of earthly counsel, uh, that maybe you must not be doing something right spiritually. Maybe your walk with God isn't as strong enough as it should be if you're needing to rely on and take earthly means. And I want you to hear my heart tonight in saying that I do not believe that spiritual maturity uh, forsakes earthly counsel or earthly medication. I do believe that the solution should not start there or that should not be the end of it. But I do believe that if you walk through seasons of life and you are doing what you're called to do, that if we don't shame somebody for taking cholesterol medication or blood pressure medication, there should be no shame for somebody who's needing to take some medication or speak to a professional in an area that they're struggling with. I will say what we're going to talk about tonight is your first course of action. And if you find yourself in a season where you are making use of some of those resources, do not let that be the end of your story. Don't accept the lie or the, this idea that you're just going to have to take it the rest of your life. But believe that even if God hasn't healed you in this moment, that there is a healing taking place, that the end goal is freedom, that the end goal is, is that Jesus is all that you need. And I believe if you have that healthy approach and that healthy balance, that God will honor that and you will continue to experience freedom in those areas of struggle. Amen? Amen. Hey, we're going to be speaking uh, from John 14 tonight. And this is a passage of scripture where you see Jesus sit down with his disciples uh, at, at the Last Supper and He's basically speaking to issues that he knows are so important with the men that he are not just his best friends. They're not just his disciples. They are the men that are now in charge of spreading the gospel, spreading the good news to the rest of the world. And so Jesus is having this last meal with them where he's able to communicate these things that are, are so important to these guys. And Jesus, being the son of God, he knows and he understands what is ahead for these men. They think they might know what's in store for them, but he knows actually what is in store for these men. He knows the life that is ahead of them. He knows the death that is ahead of these men. And Jesus says in John 14, verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. If you're here tonight and you have a troubled heart, that may make you a little angry. You may be like, let not. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for clearing that up for me. Because up until this point, I thought I was supposed to let my life feel like this. I thought I was supposed to just enjoy being stressed out of my mind. But I'm so glad that you cleared up this little issue and just told me I shouldn't let that happen. I could only imagine these guys sitting at the table being like, is that it? There's nothing more that you're going to offer? And maybe you're like, well, maybe this whole heartbeat trouble thing is something different than what I'm feeling. Well, this phrase in the original language of what Jesus is talking about in this context of being troubled means to, to cause one inward commotion. 
to take away calmness of mind, to disturb somebody's balance, to disquiet, to make restless, to stir up, to strike one's spirit with fear and dread, to render anxious or distressed, to perplex the mind of one by suggesting questions or doubts. Jesus is saying, hey, let not your heart be anxious. Let not your heart be distressed. Let not your heart be overcome with fear and doubt. Let not your heart be discouraged. Now, as if that doesn't seem obnoxious enough that Jesus would make it sound so simple, Jesus doubles down, and a few verses later in in verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. When I read this, I'm just like, ah, okay, that's a little frustrating, Jesus. That's a little, maybe there's more, am I missing something? That just seems way too simple. I I just don't understand. How is there not more to the verse? Did something get cut out or stepped on or erased? Did the dog eat that part of the verse? Because it just seems so incomplete. When Jesus makes it so simple, I don't believe he's doing that to offend us or to make us feel dumb or to make us feel like we're, We're just not catching something. But I believe that Jesus is saying it in such a simple way because it is such a profound thing to make the decision to say, I will not let my heart be troubled. I will not let my heart be distressed. I will not let my heart be anxious. I will not let my heart live in a place of fear and live in a place of doubt. What Jesus is speaking to is he's saying, you have so much more choosing ability than you give yourself credit for. You have so much more power than you give yourself credit for. So many times we just feel like if I feel it, it must be true. If it's in my mind, then there must be some truth to it. If it keeps coming in here, then apparently that's from God or apparently there's a reason for it. Just because you think something, just because you feel something, just because something is going on in your heart does not mean that it's true and definitely does not mean that it's always from God. Jesus is saying to his disciples, you have this ability to choose to say, I will not submit to everything that comes into my mind. I will not accept everything that I feel to be completely accurate. Just because I feel something does not mean that I'm automatically justified in acting on those feelings, making decisions on those feelings. Jesus is saying, you have the ability through what I'm doing for you to make the choice to say, I will not let my heart be troubled. Now, when Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, he's not saying you're not going to be tempted. He's not, gonna, he's not saying that you're all of a sudden not going to have negative thoughts, that you're not going to have fears, that you're not going to have doubts, that anxiety is not going to come knocking on your door. But there is a big difference between struggling with something. There's a big difference from something attacking you and you actually saying, all right, I'm just going to give in. I'm just going to settle into depression and I guess that's my story for the rest of my life. I'm just going to settle into being anxious all the time and not getting sleep and I guess that'll just be the narrative to my family and my story forever. Jesus is saying, you do not have to let that happen. I'm actually asking you, don't let that happen. If you have the ability to not let something happen, he's insinuating you also have the ability to let something happen. 
I believe that he, he's tonight that the word that the Holy Spirit wants to get across is we need to choose to say, I will fight this. Maybe I've given up. Maybe I've given in. Maybe I've just accepted it. Maybe I've just, I've grown too weary and I can't do it anymore. That Jesus is saying, let not you choose to fight till the bitter end. You choose to fight till the next day. Let not your heart be troubled. You know, it is possible to have feelings and thoughts of fear without living in fear. It is possible to have anxious thoughts without living in anxiety. It is possible to be attacked with negative thoughts, but not living discouraged. The difference is a choice. The difference is recognizing that just because there's an attack, just because I'm feeling tempted, just because something keeps coming back does not mean that it's true, and it definitely does not mean that I'm going to just accept it as my reality. We need to make a choice to say, I will not let my heart be troubled. I will not let it happen. I want to give you a few practical things tonight. You know, so many times when we, we speak about things like depression and anxiety and fear, it's so ambiguous, it's kind of hard to get a handle on. And so I want to give you just a few practical things tonight that I believe that the Lord has been speaking to me, reminding me of to help in this fight, to help as you make this choice and they say, I will not let this be a part of my story for the rest of my life. Can I give you these things? Is that all right? Is that all right? Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, wake up. <laughs> say, if you do it again, I'm going to throw an elbow. This is a full contact sport church attendance. <laughs> hey, write this first thing down if you're taking notes. First thing you need to do is you got to keep your mind and your thoughts on him. You got to keep your mind and your thoughts on him. Isaiah 26 says, you keep him in perfect peace. Say perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Does perfect peace sound appealing to anybody? Does something not erupt inside of you when you hear that word perfect peace? Like, I need that more than anything. I need that. Well, it promises that he keeps those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. I, I have this struggle when, when life is going okay, when life is going good, my walk with God is going good. You know, everything just seems synonymous. Everything just feels like it's clicking and I'm doing all right. But the moment that things start to break down, the moment that maybe chaos starts to introduce itself into my life or my family or my situation or doubt or discouragement or any of these things, this weird thing starts to happen where I begin to let distance grow between my reality and my relationship with God. It's easy to, to feel like it's all one when things are going good, but the moment that things start to be a struggle, all of a sudden they, they start to feel like separate things. And all of a sudden it starts to feel like my relationship with God stands outside of what I'm facing in the day to day. And, and when that happens, even if I know that my peace is found from that relationship with God, I somehow start to feel subconsciously more justified in not making as much time for God because I know that God knows what I'm dealing with in my reality. I make excuses why I don't have as much time or, or, you know, if I could just figure this out, if I could just work through this and then I'll get back to spending the same amount of time that I need to or, or maybe spend more time with God. But I just need to face this. I just need to, to, to figure this out right now. Can I tell you something tonight? If Jesus was content with standing outside of what you face in the day to day, he didn't need to leave heaven. 
Jesus left heaven and came to earth and died at the hands of men so that he could be in your day-to-day, so that he would be involved in your reality, in your present, in your circumstance, in your situation. Jesus is never content with being outside of your reality. The only way that Jesus becomes outside of your current reality is if you put him there. And sometimes I become so focused on what I'm discouraged about, so focused on what I'm stressed out about, so focused on the anxious thought or the fear that won't go away that I begin to allow distance between me and him and I allow him to become an outsider. When he died to be an insider. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. He's saying it's not separate things. Even though you have a present reality, it's all connected. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive. I was joking around on Sunday about this. You know, growing up in church, you hear a ton of Christianese. You hear a ton of things that people love to quote, people I guess they didn't see it on Pinterest back then, but now they see it on Pinterest or on a mug or something, and they think that they're preaching fire at somebody. And some stuff isn't even in the Bible. Honestly, there's probably things that you think are in the Bible, and it's from a Disney movie or a Hallmark movie or something like that. And you think it's in the—I guess if you have the right intentions, go ahead. But, you know, I've literally heard people say before, you know, in talking about struggling with their thought life and heard someone just throw out, like, well, take every thought captive. Like, what the heck does that mean? Like, what do I do with that? Okay, Thank. That was the one thing I forgot to do. Take every thought captive. But the context of this verse, what it, what it actually is saying, what Paul is saying is, listen, the two things are connected. Jesus is not meant to stand on the outside of your reality because you are not just facing what you see. There are things at play beyond what you can see in the physical. So why would you just try to fight things in the physical when there are supernatural things that are happening all around you? So Paul is saying, do you know what you do? When anxiety comes knocking, do you know what you do when discouragement is at your door? You take every thought captive. You grab a hold of that thing. But the verse doesn't end there. The purpose of you taking that thought captive is that so then you can hold it up to obey, to submit to the truth of who Jesus is, of who God is. And so what that means is that when that fear is there, you grab a hold of that thing. You don't avoid it. You know, you can ignore anxious thoughts. And you may feel relief for a moment. You may feel relief for a series of days or weeks or maybe even months if you're really good at ignoring things. You may feel temporary relief. But what I found is when I ignore thoughts like that, not only do they always come back, they always come back bigger and stronger and more, down, and more daunting. Do you know why? Because I think that if I'm not willing to face that and really look at what the root of it is, and if I'm not willing to try to disprove that thing, I'm actually empowering that thing to become bigger. So Paul is saying, do you know how you destroy it? Do you know how you get rid of it? Do you know how you win the war? You take that thing and you find out what is the root of this thought? What is the root of this fear? What is the root of this anxiety? If I'm honest with myself, as ugly as it may seem, as daunting or as scary as it may seem, where is this coming from? And when I find that, I take that thought, I take that thing, and I hold it up to who Jesus is, to what Jesus has done, to what the Word says about me and God's feelings towards me, and I disprove that thing at its core. I destroy that thing so that it doesn't lord over me, so that I'm not submitting myself to those things. 
See, Jesus died to become a part of your reality, of your day-to-day, through thick and thin, through good and through bad. Sometimes in the Christian walk, you know, we look at certain fruits or certain attributes and we think that there's something to be accomplished or something to be attained. It's like a video game. When I level up, now I got the peace of God. Peace is not something that you achieve. Peace is Jesus. It's the person of Jesus. You, you don't achieve peace. You gain peace by spending time with Jesus. It's not dependent on everything working out the way that you hoped. Peace is gained by spending time with Jesus, by being intimate with God. Paul says in Ephesians, for he himself, speaking of Jesus, is our peace. You see, I, I can try to create peace, and, and I'm this type of person. I, I'm a control freak, and so I'm actually pretty good at it. Like, I, I, I get pretty good at trying to control my situation. And I can have an imposter of peace in my life. I can think that everything's okay, but really, it's not true peace. It's just the absence of of conflict or the absence of chaos. But the moment that something happens that's beyond my control, all of a sudden I realize I don't have peace. And there's nothing that I can do about it. Jesus himself is our peace. Verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. This is so profound that Jesus says this. Peace I leave with you. Better yet, it's my peace that I give to you. You might be like, oh, thank you. I appreciate that, that it actually came from you. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. If you read the Bible and you look at the peace that Jesus had, it's unlike any peace that you find anywhere else. Jesus' life was the essence of chaos. From the moment that this guy was born, there was a king that wanted him dead, that was killing babies in the street, that he wanted him dead that bad. Everywhere that Jesus went, there was commotion. He was getting criticized and ridiculed all the time. There were times where he experienced high highs where people wanted to make him king and low lows where people were plotting and planning to literally kill him. Jesus walked the earth knowing that he was going to die for humanity. He knew that people would never accept the free gift that he was giving everyone. He was training up and living life with his best friends, with his disciples, knowing full well that it was going to cost them their lives for this message that was going forward. He witnessed his own friends and his own family murdered. I mean, this guy in 33 years lived through chaos, and yet he was able to maintain peace like we've never seen before. You say, well, how do you know that? If you look at the life of Jesus, you can tell that he was the most peaceful soul to ever walk the face of the earth because Jesus was always concerned with others. Jesus was always serving somebody else. Even if chaos was happening to him or around him, his eyes were always on somebody else. Jesus was present in every moment. This is crazy to me. I, I was saying on Sunday, you know, when I'm stressed, I can be with my kids, or I can be around my kids, but not with my kids, if that makes sense. I could spend a whole night, I could spend two or three hours around my kids, put them to bed, and then all of a sudden feel like I didn't even spend any time with them. They were in the same room as me, but I wasn't there. I wasn't present. Jesus had this ability to be present in every moment, to give everyone 110% of his attention and his affection and his compassion. Jesus was always aware of what God was doing. Jesus was always desiring God's will over his own will. Even when his own life was threatened, even when his own life was drawing to a close, he, his main mission, his main goal was to serve others and to walk out this will of God on his life. Jesus was the most peaceful soul to ever walk the face of the earth. So when Jesus says, hey, peace I leave to you, actually, better yet, it's my peace that I give to you. 
And he doesn't just stop there. He actually says, and guess what? I don't give it to you like the world gives it to you. So in this world, you may find, you may go through a season where you feel like things are peaceful, where things are okay, where there's no tragedy, there's no chaos around you. But the moment that things go south, that peace is gone. Jesus is saying, that's not how I do it. You might have peace when the relationship is good. You might have peace when you're experiencing success at work or you have the reputation that you've been working so hard to gain. You have recognition from people around you. There's no problems. You may have peace like that. But I give you peace that's there through thick and thin. I give you peace that's in the highs and in the lows, that's over here, that's over there. My peace does not leave you. That's the peace that I give you. The peace of God is just the fruit of being one with God. The peace of God is just fruit of being close with Jesus, of being intimate with Jesus, spending time with Jesus. So keep your thoughts, keep your minds on him. The second thing is to bring anything and everything to him. Bring anything and everything to him. Paul says in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything but in every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love, he start, he, there's so much in this, this short couple of verses. Bring anything in every situation to Jesus. Bring it right before God. All of it. Bring it to him. And he says, do it with thanksgiving. You know how many times I, bring, I finally bring stuff before God, but I do it with this sense of like, I know I'm supposed to do it, so let me do it. <sighs> I know you said you could do something. I really doubt it, but I'm just doing this just in case you can. <laughs> Paul is saying the spirit that you bring these things to God is with thanksgiving. Being thankful before he even did anything because you know that he can do it. And you know that his will is your best interest. Is doing something in your life. Is growing you. Is maturing you. So bring anything and bring everything to him. He then also talks about a cool mental picture of saying, and the peace of God will actually guard your heart and your mind. The, I love this word in guard because that is actually proactive. You know, he's not just saying, hey, when everything falls apart and you just feel utter chaos in your soul, then involve God and he can fix it. He says when you bring anything and everything to him, it's actually the peace of God that will guard your heart and your soul. So these anxious thoughts that you've been entertaining, these fears that you've allowed to stick around, not only will he heal that and deal with that, but then his peace will be a guard that when those things come, you recognize them as false and not true, and you can dismiss them before you ever allow them to live inside. And the best part of this verse is how cool is it that it doesn't read saying, bring anything and everything to God. And when God answers your prayers, when everything works out, when the situation turns around, you will experience the peace of God. The peace of God is actually promised to you as soon as you bring it to him. As soon as you involve God in the situation, as soon as you make the conscious choice to bring it to him, you'll start to experience the peace of God. Because his peace, again, is not dependent or contingent on things working out the way that you need to, the way that you hope to, the way that you prayed for. His peace is just fruit of being close to him, of spending time with him. Jesus gives one of the best, amazing invitations for us to be close to him in Matthew 11. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor 
and are heavy laden, all who are anxious, all who are depressed, all who are discouraged, all who are full of fear, all who are riddled with doubt, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I love that he doesn't say, come to me, all of you who are struggling, and in time, you're going to start to feel a release. In time, things are going to lighten up. It'll be a process, but my hope is, is that as you do this repeatedly, you'll start to be able to sleep. Nope. Jesus says, hey, come to me, all you who are struggling, all you who are down, all of you who are just overwhelmed and overcome, and you will find rest for your souls. And if you didn't hear me, I'm going to repeat myself one sentence later and say, you will find rest for your souls. Isn't it so profound that Jesus used those words? If you've ever struggled with anxiety or fear or doubt or depression, what's the first thing to go? Your sleep. I really believe that Jesus is not just talking about rest for your soul, but rest for your physical body as well. His desire is for you to be healthy, for you to be whole, for you to be rested. Man, you come to me. Those things that are keeping you up at night, those things that are just waging war, on your insides, those things that have attacked every restful part of you, every peaceful part of you, you come to me and you will find rest. You make the decision to say, I will not let this happen the rest of my life. I will not give into this. This may be my struggle right now, but it is a struggle. This is not where I live. This is not where I reside. And this is not where I will retire. This is a struggle. This is a season. This is a trial. I will not let this be part of my story. So you keep your thoughts and your minds on him. The second thing, you bring anything and everything to him. And this last thing is the, I invite the band back up and we begin to wrap up tonight. It's simply this. Listen to his word. Listen to his word. I know all of this seems so simple tonight, but guess what? If Jesus can just say, let not your heart be troubled, I can keep the three points simple. Jesus, you can laugh. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. I believe so much of that is listening to his word. It's really hard to have the peace of God if you don't have peace with God. And even once you make peace with God and you accept this free gift of salvation, it's really hard to have the peace of God if you don't have peace with others. So many times, you know, we, we make the decision to accept salvation. We, we, we get in the position to accept the free gift and then we start to learn a little more. We start to listen to podcasts, and then we attend church, and we hear sermons, and we start to read the Word, and we, we read about things like patience and grace and forgiveness. And we think, wow, those are noble ideas. Those are great suggestions. I bet that does work. But in my situation, you know, it's not, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm, I'm not there yet. And then, and then we think that we're justified in questioning God. Hey, God, how come I don't experience this peace that I read all about in your word? Some of us, we, we stop short. We, we don't actually listen to or apply the things that we read, and then we wonder why we don't experience the fruit of what Jesus promises. You know, we say this all the time, but Jesus' grace, it saved you, but it also empowers you to begin to live different. And like we just read, it's not that you're going to miss out on this peace until your life is perfect because then you'd never have it. 
But when you experience his saving grace, his saving power, then you make the decision to say, now let me start this journey. And it may be one step at a time. It may be one day at a time. And maybe sometimes it feels like I take a couple steps back. But if I'm pursuing him and if I'm bringing it all to him and if I'm listening and I'm reading his word and I'm applying it to my life, I'm going to start to experience the peace of God. Some of us, we're our own worst enemies. Some of you, you are your own source of chaos. Because you don't put enough value on the things that Jesus says to do because they just seem too hard, too difficult, or they must not apply to you because he has no idea what that person did or said about you. But if you could be so bold and so full of faith to say, I actually, I believe that he is talking to me. And as much as I don't want to admit it, I actually believe that all of that applies to my situation in my life in this relationship and so if Jesus thinks it was important enough to put in his word then it's important enough for me to apply to my life so I'm going to start to walk that out I believe that you will start to experience the peace of God not when everything's resolved but just as you begin to be obedient as you begin to walk in it you begin to listen to it I've had a, a season recently, the last six to eight weeks, uh, that's been a, a real struggle for me. To be honest with you, I didn't want to preach on this this weekend at all. This is the last thing I want to be talking about. I've gone through six to eight weeks of just uh, discouragement like I've never gone through before. And there's been things in my personal life and my future that have just kind of come up that have caused me fear and dread a little bit, and I, I've just really kind of walked through it the last six to eight weeks, and, and I've, I've talked to some people close with me, and I've had people praying and speaking life back into me, which has been awesome, but it's just been something that's really weighed on me a little bit, and if I could be so honest and real with you tonight, I, I, I kind of, I started to question things, you know, I, I started to say maybe this disappointment that I'm feeling, maybe this discouragement that I'm faced with, maybe this anxiety that's creeping up inside of me, maybe, maybe this is God lifting his grace, you know, maybe, maybe this is God getting me to the point where he's going to bring change or he's going to call me to do something else or, or I don't know, but maybe this unrest is from him and, and that has just caused a lot of confusion inside and, and I've, I've, I've had a rough couple months just inside kind of working these things out and um you know my wife and I went away on vacation which was amazing it was such a good time with our family and um you know I I I was like you know I'm just burned out I just need I just need a break and uh you know we got to the last night of vacation and my wife said hey how are you feeling are you feeling better and and not really it wasn't six days at a pool that I needed I guess it wasn't not worrying about bills and not worrying about the day-to-day stuff I needed, I guess. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just still don't feel right. And as I got back and was kind of just praying on what to speak about, I just couldn't get away from this. I knew that God was wanting me to speak on this. And I actually wrote a message. And Sunday morning, I was in my truck praying through it. And I felt like God said, you're not listening. You're not listening. I felt like God reminded me of that verse that says, I don't give a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And there's a big difference between my grace lifting 
and fear and doubt and dread and disappointment and discouragement. I felt like God spoke to me and said, I don't, I don't need to use those things to get you to move. I don't need to bring those things into your situation to motivate you. But I'm good and I'm faithful. And if you're feeling fear, if you're feeling anxiety, if you're feeling depression or discouragement, that is not from me. And I rewrote the, the, the next two-thirds of my message in 20 minutes, and that was the most peaceful 20 minutes I felt in the last two months. But I want you to hear tonight, if you're struggling, if your heart is troubled, that God cares for you, that God loves you, that God's desire is that you would never allow your heart to be troubled, that you would just never let it happen, that you would never just roll over and allow Satan to have a field day with your thoughts and with your emotions and with your feelings. I want to ask you to stand tonight as we begin to transition to the end of our service. I want to make you aware we got a prayer team along the back and they've been praying all week for an opportunity to encourage somebody, to pray with somebody. If you're here tonight and something has spoken to you, something has challenged you, maybe it has nothing to do with what we talked about, but you could just use some prayer. Our team is along the back and they'd love to pray with you, encourage you, hear you out. So as soon as we start this song, you can begin to make your way back. But for the rest of us, you know, it says in First Peter that you can cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Maybe you came here tonight. Maybe God ordained for you to be here tonight just because you needed to be reminded that he cares for you, that he loves you, and that these things that you're struggling with right now, they are a struggle. They are a season. They are a trial. And there's something that you need to make the decision to say, I'm going to fight till the bitter end. And I'm going to believe that God's going to bring victory. And I'm going to believe that not one of these things is from him. I'm going to hold these things up to the truth of who he is and what his word says about me. And I will experience freedom someday. I want to ask you, if you're here tonight, I want to ask you to do something a little bold. If you're here and you have been struggling with anxiety, you've been struggling with fear or doubt, you've been struggling with depression, your heart has been troubled. I want to ask you, would you raise your hand tonight? Just all over the room. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for healing. I want to pray for freedom. If you're standing around somebody with their hands up, don't, you don't need to touch them, but could you just stretch out a hand towards them? All around this room, if you've got someone around you, we pray and believe together for healing tonight? Jesus, we come before you tonight, and God, we thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that that blood on the cross, that blood that you shed, that beating that you took, that it didn't just save me, but it was for my healing, and it was for my wholeness, and it was for my freedom. And God, we speak those things over the house tonight, God, for every person that has been struggling, every person that has been wrestling, with a troubled heart. God, we make the decision tonight as individuals and as a community to say, I will not let this be my story forever. 
I will not let anxiety run my life. I will not let fear keep me up. I will let not, not let doubts dictate my decisions. But God, we choose tonight to say, God, we will fight. We will not submit to these things, but we will actually make these things submit to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us wisdom and discernment, God, to get to the root of the issue, to get to the root of the fear, to get to the root of the anxiety, that we would hold it up to not just what you say, but what you've already done. And God, we thank you that when we do that, you destroy strongholds, you destroy depression, you destroy discouragement, you destroy anxiety. Jesus, we lift our hands tonight and we ask for your perfect peace. Holy Spirit, we sense you in the room tonight. We ask that you would cover this place like a blanket, Lord, that we would feel your arms as our comforter wrap around us. God, every distressed soul, we pray, would be filled up tonight in Jesus' name. Lord, that joy would enter the room in Jesus' name. Jesus, we look to you tonight. God, we thank you for everything that you've done. We worship you tonight. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.